WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. Download that free local news app today. Early voting in Berrien County got off to a slow start this week. Michigan voters in 2022 approved a change that will allow at least nine days of early voting in state and federal elections, and this is the first time it's been implemented. Berrien County Clerk Sharon Tyler tells us as of this morning, about 191 early votes have been cast in person countywide. The numbers are lower than in August and November. This is the first time early voting, so the word is getting out. Tyler noted turnout was low on Saturday and Sunday, then Monday brought a federal holiday that had many people staying home. The numbers could definitely be better, but there is an uptick at this time right now as we're in the regular work week. There are two early voting sites in Berrien County, one's in Benton Harbor and the other's in Niles. Your local clerk would determine which site applies to your community. Also, there are two townships in the county that are handling early voting on their own. They are Benton Township and Bainbridge Township. Benton Township Clerk Carolyn Phillips told us Tuesday her office helped a total of 46 early in-person voters. So has it been difficult for staff? It's been been nice experience. It's a learning experience, but yeah, I think our residents enjoy coming here. Phillips said the township is handling early voting on its own, so residents don't have to travel far. In Bainbridge Township, 15 early votes have been cast as of this morning. The Great Lakes have seen record low levels of ice cover this winter. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says the percentage of the lakes covered with ice was in the single digits for much of February, although it rose to 12% by the 19th. What does the low ice cover mean for the shoreline? U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Coastal Engineer Jim Sulligan tells us the shoreline is usually protected from erosion in the winter by ice cover. A complex of ice builds out into the lake as the winter goes on, and basically it armors the shoreline. So like all the shore protection that we see on the Great Lakes, stopping the energy of the waves from hitting the bluffs, which is what we care about because we built our infrastructure on top, shore ice has the same effect. With less ice cover, Sulligan says the coast faces a risk of more erosion. He adds climate forecasts anticipate continued dwindling of ice coverage each winter, so ongoing maintenance along the shoreline to prevent erosion may be needed moving forward. Sulligan says because of the way sand moves, marinas and harbors may also be looking at a need for more frequent dredging. For three months out of the year, there's pretty much no sediment being deposited in our navigation channels on Lake Michigan. Sulligan doesn't know if this winter has seen significant coastal erosion because that's measured by aerial photos that haven't been analyzed yet. He adds another drawback of less Great Lakes ice could be related to fish that rely on it for protection. The Benton Township Board of Trustees this week approved some changes to the employee handbook to make management of staff simpler. One main consideration was whether to change the status of employees from just cause to at will. Township Attorney Andy Gordon told us trustees opted to make the change to at will. At will basically is just a legal classification where an employee or the employer can terminate the employment relationship. And what the courts typically say is for any reason or for no reason at all, as long as it's not an unlawful reason. I mean, just cause it's more typical of a union contract. That just means if there's going to be discipline or termination of an employee for misconduct, then it's subject to principles of just cause. That would include things like arbitration. Clerk Carolyn Phillips said that uh, has proven costly and time-consuming in the past. However, Treasurer Debbie Boothby disagreed with the change from just cause to at-will employees. Every four years, there's an opportunity of turnover for the employees. At-will could leave the employees open to indiscriminate termination. And I just have a problem with that. 
An at-will employee can be terminated at any time as long as it's not for an illegal reason. Most workers in the U.S. are employed on an at-will basis. Also changed this week was the paid time off model for township employees. Now, instead of having separate sick days and vacation days, both things will be merged into one category. Boothby voted against the changes, with the rest of the board voting in favor on Tuesday. State Senator Eric Nesbitt is calling for Governor Gretchen Whitmer to release a second contingency budget. Nesbitt tells us Whitmer's first budget proposal released this month relies on some funding sources that may not come through. They include the rollback of an income tax cut that would have happened under legislation approved in 2015. Her budget's built upon that, but there's a lawsuit going on right now from small business owners and from taxpayers and some legislators saying that the tax increase is illegal. There wasn't an actual vote in the legislature. And so that's going to go to the Court of Appeals. And so her budget's built on that, along with a $670 million transfer that she's doing to raid the teacher pension fund to spend on some other activities in her education budget. Nesbitt says taking money out of the teacher pension fund will only lead to problems later. As for the income tax cut, the Michigan Court of Appeals will decide that the 4.05 percent income tax rollback triggered by state law last year should be permanent or increased back to 4.25 percent in 2024, as the Michigan Attorney General has ruled. Nesbitt says state lawmakers started talking about the budget this week in committee. The legislature generally seeks to have a new budget in place by July. State Representative Pauline Wenzel has announced the return of the Southwest Michigan School Spirit Tournament. The tournament invited high schools throughout uh, the 39th District to send in photos of students showing their school pride. It's styled like an NCAA basketball tournament with brackets. Schools will compete for bragging rights, a trophy, a tribute, and a chance to pick the pocket of a politician as Wenzel will personally make a $500 donation to the winning school's Department of Choice. Wenzel says that school spirit encompasses a wide range of activities from band, drama, robotics, athletics, and the arts, and no area of the state has as much spirit as southwest Michigan. We'll have a link to the tournament rules at our website. And the County Road Association of Michigan has released a plan to keep repairing more than 90,000 miles of roads around the state. CEO Denise Donahue says only a third of county roads are eligible for federal funding, which means that state funding is crucial to keep up with construction goals. We have set uh, a very modest goal for counties that we would improve 15, 1-5, 15% of the road uh, system every year. And I don't mean the ultimate fix. That's not taking it down to dirt and rebuilding it. According to Donahue, the two-thirds of county roads that cannot get federal funding are only 44% in good condition. 60% is the goal. 75% of roads in Michigan are county roads. The County Road Association says Michigan needs to invest $2.4 billion more each year to get county roads into good shape. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News and Now continues. House Republicans say their impeachment inquiry into President Biden will continue despite a key pillar of the probe. Claims that witness named Alexander Smirnoff, the President Biden was involved in his son's overseas business dealings, turned out to allegedly be false. The special counsel investigating Hunter Biden has charged Smirnoff with lying and says those claims may have been fed to him by Russian agents. 
Meanwhile, House Republicans say they're undeterred. ABC's Jay O'Brien is more. Republicans are pressing ahead with their impeachment inquiry into President Biden, interviewing his brother James Biden on Wednesday. All despite the fact Alexander Smirnov, the man who made claims key to their probe, has been charged with lying to the FBI when he said President Biden was connected to his son's overseas business dealings. The committee's top Democrat, Jamie Raskin, pouncing. We obviously, again, have heard nothing indicating that Joe Biden had anything to do with the business ventures of Hunter Biden or James Biden. Jay O'Brien, ABC News, Washington. Chinese police are investigating an unauthorized and highly unusual online dump of documents from a private security contractor linked to China's top police agency and other parts of its government. It's a trove that reveals and catalogs apparent hacking activity and tools to spy on both Chinese and foreigners. Among the apparent targets of tools provided by the impacted company ISU and are ethnicities and dissidents in parts of China that have seen significant anti-government protests like Hong Kong. The dump of scores of documents late last week and subsequent investigation were confirmed by two employees of ISUN, which has ties to the powerful Ministry of Public Security. Approving aid for Israel and Ukraine has proven tough enough, but Congress also just has a week and a half left to figure out how to keep the government agencies fully funded. ABC's Stephen Portnoy is more from Washington. Lawmakers remain on recess until the middle of next week. When the House and Senate do come back, they'll have just days to reach agreement to avoid a partial government shutdown that would start a week from this Friday. House Republicans don't seem to have a clear vision for agency funding or for Ukraine aid, with GOP moderates and members of the far right pulling Speaker Mike Johnson in two opposite directions. As Russia launched its war in Ukraine two years ago, the lives of millions of Ukrainians were changed. They now delineated into periods before and after February 24th, 2022. Tens of thousands of buried loved ones, millions have fled their homes, and the country's been thrust into a long, exhausting war. For Katerina Dominic, a glimmer of light returned to her life when her husband was liberated from Russian captivity just weeks ago. She hadn't seen him in nearly two years. She and their two-year-old son reunited with him and now live in Kiev. It's a happy ending to that chapter, but she knows scars will remain, and she thinks often of the soldiers still in captivity. After a two-day appeal hearing in Britain, now comes the tense wait for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who's fighting extradition to the U.S. and espionage charges. More from ABC's Tom Rivers. The high-stakes decision by two judges likely won't come for a number of weeks. Their ruling's not expected until March at the earliest. Julian Assange faces extradition over an alleged conspiracy to obtain and disclose national defense information following the publication of hundreds of thousands of leaked documents relating to the Afghan and Iraqi wars. His team calls the U.S. legal action politically motivated. Tom Rivers, ABC News, London. When Tucker Carlson asked Vladimir Putin about his reasons for invading Ukraine two years ago, Putin gave him a lecture on Russian history. A 71-year-old Russian leader spent more than 20 minutes showering baffled Carlson with dates and names going back to the 9th century. Carlson admitted after the interview a history lecture in response to a straightforward question about one's political motives shocked him. But in Russia, history has become a propaganda tool. Authorities have sought to magnify the country's past victories while glossing over the more sordid chapters of its history. They've rewritten textbooks, funded exhibitions, and suppressed voices that contradicted their narrative. 
Passengers on an American Airlines flight jumped into action on Tuesday when a man allegedly tried to open an emergency exit. ABC's Alex Stone is more. The American Airlines Boeing 737 was climbing out of Albuquerque when passengers say a man began saying he had to get off the plane, pulled the cover off an emergency exit handle, and began trying to get out. Zach Edkind says passengers jumped into action and tackled the man. Rip him off the door, which he was trying to open. Passengers say he opened it enough. There was a whistling sound coming from the door. They duct taped the man's leg and put his hands in flex cuffs. The plane made an emergency landing back in Albuquerque where he was arrested. Alex Stone, ABC News. From the earliest days of the Israel-Hamas war, the United States and much of the international community have pressed Israel to allow more humanitarian aid into the Gaza Strip. But as the fighting rages on with no end in sight, the humanitarian catastrophe there has only worsened. United Nations agencies and aid groups say the ongoing hostilities, the Israeli military's refusal to facilitate deliveries and the breakdown of order inside Gaza make it increasingly difficult to bring vital aid to much of the coastal enclave. And despite a lot of talk in Hollywood about gender equality, a new study is showing the numbers tell a different story. Morph maybe sees Jason Nathanson. Hi, Barbie. Yes, 2023 was a big year for Barbie, but that film was an anomaly when it comes to women in starring roles. Just 30% of the top 100 films of last year featured a female star or co-lead, according to a new report by USC's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. That's the lowest percentage in a decade and well off the record high of 44% the year before. The initiative's founder, Stacey L. Smith, called the numbers a, quote, catastrophic step back for girls and women in film. A similar study from January found even worse representation behind the camera. Just 12% of directors were women. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood.